the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 219 for August 8th, 2010. Worldwide smartphone numbers, RIM lights the torch, and Apple finally lets you try before you buy. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. Brought to you by Netflix and supported by listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application for the iOS, available now in the iTunes store for $1.00. And 99 cents. Well, as we mentioned at the top of last week's show, the Cell Phone Junkie website has a new look. To celebrate the new look, and thanks to the great folks at Otterbox, we announced two contests to give away cases. The first for an iPhone 4 Otterbox Defender, and that one goes to Thomas. Thanks to Thomas and everyone who stopped by the site and left us a comment. The second contest was for the BlackBerry Curve 8530 Strength Case. This case was uh, specially designed by Otterbox and gives back 10% of each uh, case that is purchased to the Avon Breast Cancer Crusade. This case is going to Sarah, whose friend Judy wrote to us. Sarah has recently been diagnosed with breast cancer. She began work with me and when she was back in high school, and she is currently undergoing chemotherapy. She is now in her mid-20s and could use all the strength that she needs to get through this fight. Well, thanks to Otterbox for providing both of these cases for us to give away, and thanks to both Sarah and to Thomas for winning those giveaways. Next, I had a chance to do a review of the Sling Player for Android application this week. Since 2005, Sling Media has been offering the Sling Box as a way to watch television content on the go. I regularly talk about it on this show and write about it as being one of my favorite tech toys. So over the past four years, I've used it with Windows Mobile, BlackBerry, Symbian, Palm OS, and iOS-based devices. And 2010 definitely has been the year of Android. And the folks at Sling have come through with a great piece of software for the Android OS. This is the first version for Android and Sling definitely got it right. The overall experience of watching TV on your phone is as good as it gets with this Android OS software. The application is available for purchase through the Android market for $29.99. Visit thecellphonejunkie.com and click on reviews to read my full overview of this software. But I definitely wanted to to mention this one on the show and as I do with all the reviews, but specifically, I love Sling Player and I love the Sling Box and they did such a great job with this application. The quality, Joey, that they they put into this and i'm not sure if it's an android thing or if it has to do um with with just what they've done with the revisions to their software but it it totally blows away any of the other software applications that they've made so far well i'm sure it's a combination of everything mickey i'm sure it's the great processor that you've got uh and most android devices have uh, pretty good processors and they've i'm sure they have a lot of great apis for the developers to take advantage of with the media capability that uh they have there. I mean, they're not nearly closed and restricted like uh, some of the iPhone uh, sections are in the developer arena. So I'm, I'm sure it's just a combination of a little bit of everything. Uh, like I said, overall, just a fantastic experience. Very fluid. Um, it, it just works wonderfully. So if you've got an Android-based device and you've been kind of on the fence as far as whether you want to get the Sling Player app for your device or not, definitely head over and pick it up because it is a good one. So thanks to uh, Sling Player for also helping me out uh, with this application as well. And finally, before the news, one thing we didn't mention when we talked about the new website last week was the redesign of a version for your mobile phone's browser. Also, to make surfing over there easier, the U 
URL tcpj.info is one that you can use to redirect over to thecellphonejunkie.com. It will bring you to a nicely optimized page right for your mobile device. The site shows you each of the recent posts in a list view, which can then be expanded to read each article with photos on your handset. Head over to tcpj.info, that's I-N-F-O, and check it out. First in the news this week, the Bloomberg uh, organization reporting this week that the top wireless carriers in the U.S. are getting set to take on the credit card companies. A joint venture between Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile with Discover Financial and Barclays could lay out a mobile phone payment system that would ultimately compete with Visa and MasterCard. The system would allow customers to pay by waving their phone over a receiver at the point of sale. The JV is currently looking for someone to lead the effort and is expecting trials in the contact-less technology to begin in Atlanta and other cities around the country. Three stories here, all talking about smartphones and how Android is just absolutely taking off here. The first one has data released from Nielsen on new U.S. smartphones, showing that Android-powered devices are outpacing the iPhone for the first half of 2010. RIM's BlackBerry still holds the number one spot for the most new devices activated at 33%, followed by Android's 27%, and then the iPhone at 22%. Looking at the total U.S. market share, Apple still leads by a large margin with 28% versus Android's 13%, and RIM still holds 35% of the U.S. overall market share. Next, from the NPD group, riding the wave of new handset introductions and wide carrier distribution in the second quarter, the Android smartphone operating system continued its upward climb in the U.S. consumer market, and for the first time since the fourth quarter, RIM fell into second place as Android took the lead among operating systems in handsets sold to U.S. consumers. In NPD's latest market research, they revealed that Android accounted for 33% of all smartphones purchased in the second quarter of the year, ahead of RIM at 28% and Apple at 22%. Also based on U.S. customer purchases of mobile phones, the top five Android smartphones were as followed. Number one, the Motorola Droid. Second place, the Droid Incredible. Third, the Evo 4G the HTC Hero, and at number five, the HTC Droid Eris. So we'll see what happens to these numbers as we continue to get more Android devices each and every week, it seems. And then finally, uh, analytics firm Canalys released their second quarter smartphone market share numbers, showing 64% growth for smartphones worldwide. Nokia retained a substantial lead, achieving a 38% market share. The vendor shipped a record 23.8 million smartphones during the quarter, representing growth of 41% over a year ago. At the same time, shipments of RIM's BlackBerry smartphones grew by 41%. Helped by the continued strong performances of such devices as the Curve 8520, it was once again the second-place vendor with an 18% market share worldwide, while also retaining its leadership position in North and Latin America. Despite a period of turbulent PR, initial shipments of the iPhone 4 were predictably strong and contributed to Apple's 61% growth and worldwide market share of 13% for the quarter. But analysts at Canalys detailed that global consistent data shows it is the collective growth of Android shipments across a large range of handset vendors that is the most remarkable, with key products from HTC, Motorola, Samsung, Sony Ericsson, and LG. Shipments of smartphones running Google's backed Android operating system grew 886% in just the second quarter alone. 
Absolutely stunning, Mickey, and and but not surprising, really, considering um, you know Android's had a lot of time to gain this traction, and it's just going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be even more next quarter because we've got so many device manufacturers picking up Android. They've now finally been testing it and using it and realizing that it's here to stay, and the customers love it. And it's you know great price for the manufacturers to use. It's basically free to them, and it's just it's just win win for everybody. And this is just going to continue this way. I think what we're going to ultimately see is, you know, the the number of shipments of Android devices and, of course, of the iOS devices are going to continue to go up. But I don't know that we're going to see them overtake BlackBerry anytime soon. BlackBerry is just it's so overpowering. Um, it, it has there's so many people that have BlackBerry devices and so many organizations that that's what they deploy. I, I really think that they're going to con- they're going to stay in the lead. And as more people continue to get smartphones, there's still going to be a significant share that go BlackBerry. Yeah, I think, you know, Mickey, it's uh, it, it definitely, um, but it, it's going to probably shift a little bit, you know, with the latest iOS 4, there's a lot more enterprise features available in there. Um, you know, I'm sure Android will just, you know, add a few here and there, and then it'll make smaller companies think, well, okay, we can go Android or we can go iPhone. Um, you know, ab- absolutely, you know, governments and even bigger corporations are going to be with Blackberries for a very long time to come. I just have a hard time seeing that the 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 mountain that has been you know built uh, on top of the Rim's Bez services that is really running you know probably ninety five percent of Fortune five hundred companies. I, I see that as a huge uh, obstacle for any of these other manufacturers to break into. And it's not to say that you know devices like the iPhone and the iOS aren't going to gain in market share. I just don't think it's the the, the overall numbers are going to ever top what. Well, I shouldn't say ever because it never say never, but for the foreseeable future, going to top what Rim has. Yeah, and you know, there's some changes coming soon, and uh, we'll see how consumers do. You know, new and exciting is always is is new and exciting. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't imagine uh, you know people will be trying out Android and maybe j- jumping from BlackBerry over to that. But you know, they may go back to BlackBerry when they realize that it's just more than they need on an Android device, and it becomes a little more challenging to use without a keyboard and a lot of android devices do not have keyboards so that that'll kind of it'll kind of you know work it's work itself out there there are certain things that everyone likes you know more or less uh, about each device and there's not one device i think that but fits into the mold that's going to be perfect for everyone and that's why we have opportunities you know to to choose what we want so it works out pretty well Well, does it always seem that it's busy when you head into your local Apple store and it only seems to be getting worse? That's because the store revenue for Apple retail stores has increased 72.8% year over year to $2.5 billion in this year's second quarter. Looking at what's changed shows that the iPad has generated a nearly 40% increase in for in-store visitors and a 53% increase in revenues. Putting things into perspective, the revenue stream for the second quarter of 2010 is more than the entire period from two, uh, excuse me 1996 through 2004 for Apple. So that tells you what Apple has been doing recently. The 2.5 billion dollars in revenue just from the second quarter that's more than 8 years of of what they did back in the the mid 90s. That is absolutely stunning. Uh, geez, I mean, that iPad is just selling like uh, hotcakes, obviously. And, you know, that period of uh, of Apple there, their, their Macs were selling like nothing. I mean, nobody bought a Mac. They were on their way out. And the company almost just went bankrupt during that time period. But what an amazing turnaround. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely, they're on fire right now. And 
again, it, it's not the device for everybody, but it's the device that a lot of people are enjoying and picking them up and whatnot. So uh, very, very impressive numbers coming out of Apple for the second quarter. Well, confirming our conversation from last week's podcast, the Washington Post is reporting that the United Arab Emirates plan to enforce BlackBerry's data ban on its citizens will extend to tourists and visitors of the country as well. As the Post puts it, the government's security policies are, quote, in direct conflict with the country's ambitions to be a business and tourism haven. Beginning October 11th, even those with Blackberries issued outside of the UAA will be without email messaging and web capabilities while visiting the Middle Eastern nation. The handsets will still be able to make phone calls, though. Roughly 100,000 people travel to uh, in and out of Dubai International Airport every day, many of them on business. The U.S. State Department called the policy a move in the wrong direction. Well, following the UAE st- story, the Saudi Com- Communications and Information Technology Commission has asked wireless companies in Saudi Arabia to stop BlackBerry service beginning on August 5th. CNN reports that the Saudi government is claiming the manufacturer of the devices couldn't meet the regulatory requirements of the commission and is not in accordance with the regulations and conditions of licenses issued to service providers at its present state. The mandate will apply again to both business and individual BlackBerry users from or outside of Saudi Arabia. Saudi officials claim they are asking for the exact same regulatory compliance with all the same principles of judicial and regulatory oversight that BlackBerry grants for the U.S. and other governments and nothing more. Uh, After that story came out, Saudi Arabia ultimately reported that it's given these three cellular carriers 48 hours that came out i think uh, just within the last 12 hours so that should be expiring here sometime midday on tuesday the 10th to come out with a proposed solution that meets regulatory demands of the country otherwise the blackberry messaging ban will take effect as originally planned and from what i've read it sounds like rim is working feverishly to come up with some sort of uh, server-based system that would somehow route all the traffic that goes from the three main carriers in saudi arabia through uh, specific servers that they've put in place back to uh, and so that they could be monitored, but then they'll go through these servers and then go back to uh, to the the main knocks in or um, in Waterloo. So ultimately, though, this is a very uh, I don't know for the for us here in the U.S. and many other Western countries, we we read stories like this, and um, you know when I first read it, I thought, wow, what what a backwards way of thinking, you know that they you could have any and all of your traffic, you know, from your emails to any internet traffic monitored and it could be scrutinized by the government but this is just the way of life you know for saudi arabia and this is just how how things go uh, in some of these middle eastern countries and it's not just middle east mickey uh here in the u.s the nsa actually does have uh, major monitoring systems for the internet uh, incoming and outgoing traffic from the u.s and even some internal uh, traffic as well is uh, all duplicated to NSA servers. And um, there, there's a lot of evidence of this online. If you think I'm a conspiracy theorist here, they actually do have proof of that. And uh, even uh, somebody you know that worked at the telecom would uh, uh, saw the actual proof of this uh, of, of these setups that they do to monitor terrorists and other things that who knows what they monitor. So now that we're all significantly freaked out about all of our traffic being monitored, just kind of when you're when you're on your your mobile device, don't think of it any differently than when you're on your computer. You want to just make sure that you're making good decisions on the sites that you're visiting and the stuff that you're doing, because who knows, you know, where it's going to ultimately turn up um, or what it could be used for. So anyway, so we'll we'll continue to follow this one. I'm sure we'll have uh, some some additional news to report on next week as far as what happens uh, specifically in Saudi Arabia. Chicago became the third area of the country to have an AT&T hot zone go live this past Wednesday. The zone is in an area around 
Wrigley Field called Wrigleyville. AT&T is providing the free Wi-Fi coverage to any smartphone in order to help take traffic off its 3G network in heavy usage areas. So again, that's the third area of the country that has one of these hot zones. Well, it seems like AT&T is doing everything they can to offload data traffic from their 3G network onto Wi-Fi. A screenshot sent in to me this week from a Tucson area man named Thomas showed an area of AT&T Wi-Fi service at his local FedEx. Now, I for some reason thought that the switchover had happened from T-Mobile to AT&T a long time ago with FedEx, but I couldn't seem to find any evidence of it. So it appears that they could be doing so here um, kind of on a market-by-market basis. So maybe you're seeing this as well. Check it out if you've got an AT&T device. Your FedEx location could be the next one to have a hotspot in it powered by AT&T. We've talked in the past about Verizon's LTE and that they're planning to roll out 25 to 30 LTE markets by the end of the year. And the website Into Mobile has received additional rollout details. And while they don't pinpoint to an exact timeline, they do provide a look at how the next few years should look. For 2010, Atlanta and Athens, Georgia will join the Texas cities of Dallas, Denton, Fort Worth, and Weatherford for a full LTE rollout. Also planned for this year is the eastern half of Massachusetts, bringing the total coverage up to 120 million people. Additional markets, though, have not been specified. In 2011, most universities and cities in Louisiana, along with a number of cities in Mississippi, Alabama, West Virginia, including Oxford, South Haven, Huntsville, Birmingham, and Montgomery, Uh, We'll also be uh, receiving the LTE update. The coverage is expected to nearly double to 100, or excuse me, 250 million people. Uh, by the end of the year. Mark Flores from Intimobile says, in 2012, all major highways and interstates in all cities with an approximate radius of 30 miles from the interstates and highways shall receive the 4G service. And in 2013, the entire 3G network as it exists today will be completely overlaid by Verizon's 4G or LTE network. The expected speeds are to range from 5 to 12 megabits per second for the download and 2 to 5 megabits for the upload. Verizon also began offering an unlimited plan to customers in select markets of Texas and Louisiana this week. The new plans are called Unlimited Any Mobile, and similar to the Sprint Any Mobile Anytime plans, they allow customers to talk to any mobile phone in the U.S. without using minutes. The plan offers unlimited mobile calling plus 450 or 900 additional minutes for $60 and $80 respectively. Family share plans start at $100 per month for 700 minutes. All plans include unlimited text messaging. Customers in these areas have until October 31st to sign up. Sprint and Clearwire announcing WiMAX should be coming to markets in three new states this week. The new areas include Modesto and Stockton, California, Jacksonville, Florida, Wilmingham, Delaware, and Grand Rapids, Michigan. These new markets make the WiMAX network now inclusive of 48 markets. Cricket Communications owner Leap Wireless announced that it will purchase network time from Sprint as part of a five-year deal. The arrangement will allow Cricket to use 3G network access across the country on a new line of products and services. Cricket will pay Sprint per the number of subscribers on the network, which will uh, increase as the number of subscribers increases. WiMAX may not be completely yet rolled out, but Clearwire says that they're planning to test LTE uh, trials starting this fall. The focus of the trials will be to see how the LTE network interacts with WiMAX when implemented on the same spectrum. Clear said that the equipment will be from Huawei, Samsung, and Beacom, and will use the FDD and TDD LTE equipment. Trials will occur in the 2.4 to 2.5 
2.6 gigahertz bands and should lead to real-world speeds faster than its competitors. Current estimates have speeds in the 20 to 70 megabit per second range compared with those of Verizon, which are expected to be between 5 and 7 megabits per second. The trials will start this fall through 2011 in the Phoenix, Arizona market, so I'll be interested to see what happens for me. And while this testing is good for consumers, Clearwire isn't going to change the game overnight. Here in the U.S., the LTE market is set to be just as fragmented as the current GSM-CDMA-EVDO-HSPA situation. While most countries around the world have a relatively standard use of its spectrum, Europe, for example, uses the 900 and 1800 megahertz range for its GSM, and the 2100 megahertz range for its UMTS. In the U.S., there's no easy way to switch phone companies without the need for new hardware. AT&T uses the 850 and 1900 megahertz bands for its GSM and UMTS. T-Mobile runs its 3G data network over 1700, and uh, which is known as the AWS bands. And Verizon and Sprint both use the 850 and 1900 megahertz bands for its CDMA services. As Clearwire says, they're beginning their testing on the 2.4 to 2.6 gigahertz spectrum, and which is the same that they're using for their WiMAX. Verizon and AT&T, however, will be launching their LTE networks on separate blocks in the 700 megahertz band, and LightSquared's proposed wholesale LTE network is a hodgepodge of satellite and terrestrial spectrum that will operate on the 1.4 gigahertz and 1.6 gigahertz bands. Sprint may decide to add LTE services on its 1900 megahertz CDMA bands, and MetroPCS is headed towards LTE on its 1700 megahertz band. So if you followed all those numbers, or if you didn't, here's what it's going to mean. If you want a device that will ultimately be able to function on every LTE network, you're going to need to have the bands of 700, 1400, 1600, 1700, 1900, 2500, and 2600 just for the U.S. This is only for the U.S. If you want to add in any sort of backwards compatibility, you've got to add your GSM or CDMA network on 850, 900, 1800, and 1900 for the older style networks. And if you want to then add in what you want to do on 3G internationally, you need the 2100 megahertz band as well. So I don't know how many that is. It's like 10 different bands that we're going to need in a device. But Joey, this this is the problem with, with LTE. It's just it's just as fragmented. It's, it's more fragmented even, Mickey, I think. Um, it's not, it, Obviously, the carriers like this because you you know the model of having your own handset where you can move between the carriers easily with the sim card is something they do not want they want you to buy the latest and greatest phone they want to lock you into a contract they want that kind of uh upgrade cycle and they want to be the owners of the device because then they can sign exclusivity agreements with the manufacturers and create uh you know a demand for a product that no other carrier can offer because of the bans and it's just even better for them now than it ever used to be, especially with the GSM phones. So, um, you know, the, the, the stuff we've seen now with the AT&T and T-Mobile, uh, I mean, AT&T loves that the iPhone is not on the 3G frequencies of T-Mobile. Because imagine how many people would be unlocking it. And the demand for unlocking would be there if they had the same 3G band for T-Mobile. It would just be a totally different story right now, Mickey. So those of you that are really excited about LTE like I am, you should continue to be excited. Just realize that it's not going to be a buy one phone and it's going to work on every single network. The good news, though, is is that the the manufacturers are going to be able to make a device that has one chipset in it, and that one chipset uh, will be able to function for likely every single device that's out there, an LTE device that's out there. However, there will have to be different antennas put into these devices in order to make them work properly. 
and as someone who knows radios to put uh the number of frequencies that we're talking about here into a device is um difficult is is a simple word <laughs> to use for what this is going to mean so we'll see what ultimately happens with this but just to kind of put things in perspective you're going to need seven bands of uh, lte to make it one device that's going to work across all these different networks so found that kind of interesting T-Mobile announcing its second quarter 2010 results this week with increasing revenues but declining customers. Revenues from service were up from $4.63 billion in the first quarter to $4.7 billion in Q2. Total customers dropped 93000 down to $33.6 million with a churn rate of 3.4%. Blended ARPU was up $1 to $47. Through its Q2 2010 earnings press release, MetroPCS released its latest results. The company posted record second quarter net subscriber additions of 303,000, up from 205,000 in the second quarter of 2009. Churn dropped uh, to 3.3% from 5.8%. Average revenue per user dipped slightly to $39.84 from the 40.52 in the second quarter of 2009. Cricket announced new tiered pricing plans for data usage this week. Plans range from 2.5 gigabytes for $40 to 7.5 gigabytes per month at $60. Overage fees will not be charged for users exceeding their allocated bandwidth. Instead, Cricket will throttle speeds down to an unspecified level until the next billing cycle goes into effect. The price of regular service plans is increasing $5 per month. However, Cricket will begin rolling fees into their plans, so the advertised cost will include everything but tax. Well, thanks to our first sponsor, Netflix helps support the cell phone junkie by signing up for a two-week free trial of Netflix. Plans start at $4.99 per month, over 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you want, no late fees ever. Free shipping both ways, free delivery in about one business day. Cancel any time, and as a bonus to your DVDs, watch some movies over the internet for no additional charge. Joey and I appreciate your support of the show by signing up for a free trial of Netflix. Well, my Netflix pick of the week is Stuff Happens with Bill Nye. Set in the context of the everyday world, this television series, first shown on the Planet Green channel, centers around all the dangerous things modern humankind is doing to the Earth and its ecosystems. Yes, it's a tree-hugger show, but I kind of like that every once in a while, and it was kind of fun to watch him as he went through, as an example, everything in your kitchen uh, that could potentially be harmful and things that you can do to help make yourself more eco-friendly. It was kind of a fun little thing. You, There was, uh, I think, four or five different episodes on this DVD. It was like two hours long, and you know, kind of a, a fun just thing to randomly pop in and watch, a little bit different than your, your average drama movie. Boy, you certainly couldn't get that at your uh, video store, could you? You definitely could not. <laughs> Wow. No, I uh, watched some Die Hard 2 on the instant streaming over the uh, over the tethered connection, Mickey. It uh, it goes for about 20 minutes before it runs out of buffer and it can't keep up uh, with the uh, just regular EVDO because I was in a fairly low signal area. Um, but it was still fun for the 20 minute chunks that I watched at a time. <laughs> that's that's pretty good though i mean to you know to be out and about you were because you were traveling a little bit this weekend i'm guessing you're watching these over the dell yes yep a little dell mini nine uh it's really uh it, it, the processors you know part of the reason probably the processor can't quite even keep up with it so um it, it may not even necessarily be the cell phone connection um also i'm excited top gear they added series 12 to the instant streaming this uh, week so now i've got even more to watch i'm excited I love Top Gear. I think we talked about that last week a little bit. We did. We? we did. Yeah, because they just, maybe it was two weeks ago, but they just added uh, Series 11, uh, but now they just added Series 12. Yeah, yeah, that's a great show. For anyone, if you if 
if you drive a car, <laughs> you'll probably enjoy this show because they are just they are professionals at it and they do a really good job. Um, British humor, though, keep that in mind. Some of yes. it you kind of turn your eyebrow up at if you're one of us here from the U.S. Well, and you have to know that a saloon means it's a sedan, a four door car. Did not know that. That really kind of makes my thoughts of that they just drank a lot. Totally different. Let's move on here into some devices, shall we? TechCrunch reporting that over the weekend, Apple placed a large order for CDMA chipsets made by Qualcomm. The claim comes from a source that works with the supply chain logistics side and says that chips are for a production run of CDMA-based iPhones for a January release date on Verizon. But as the report notes, the evidence does not guarantee a Verizon iPhone launch in January. All of the signals point that way, however, adding another claim to the growing chorus of reports suggesting that a launch is coming early next year. I don't know, Joey, do we talk more about this or do we do we just leave it at that? I mean, we have been we've been predicting it. We've been discussing it. This is this is just in line with everything we thought was going to happen maybe a month or two late. But overall, I mean, this there's no surprise here. No surprise. No, I, we, we, we know something's coming with Apple. Um, I, I suppose it could be a, uh, iPad. Um, there, there's that possibility, but to me, that product's still too new for this. Um, you know, it, it just, that doesn't make sense. Um, I mean, it's possible, but it, it's, it's the iPhone. I mean, it, it, it's the, it's a iPhone. It's a variation of the iPhone. It's, it's, it's an iPhone. Hmm. I think I, I think I'll agree with you with that and just leave it there and, and let's move on. Apple reporting that a, an executive whose responsibilities included the iPhone hardware is leaving the company in the wake of antenna problems with the newest version of the smartphone. Mark Papermaster, Apple's senior vice president of iPhone and iPod hardware engineering, is leaving the company, according to Apple spokesperson Stephen Dowling. Dowling wouldn't comment beyond a brief statement to say whether Papermaster was fired or leaving voluntarily. Papermaster's departure comes just weeks after Apple announced that it would give a free protective case to buyers of its latest iPhone model to alleviate the death grip problem. Assuming his responsibilities will be senior vice president of Macintosh hardware engineering, Bob Mansfield, which has been t- he has taken effect of these responsibilities immediately. During a press conference co-sponsored by AT&T, RIM unveiled its QWERTY Slider 9800 BlackBerry Torch. The device is a 3.3-inch HVGA touchscreen display with an op- optical trackpad. It will run the recently announced BlackBerry 6 operating system. Specs include a 624 megahertz processor, 512 megs of RAM, 4 gigs of flash storage, plus an additional 4 gigabyte preloaded micro SD card. New uh, software features will be found in all BlackBerry OS 6 devices, including tabbed browsing, multi-touch, pinch-to-zoom capabilities, and many more. A new social networking feed application will come bundled with each device with support for Twitter, Facebook, and MySpace. A 5-megapixel camera support for Wi-Fi and 802.11n networking. Tri-band HSDPA and quad-band Edge round out the features. The phone will be available on August 12th for $200 with a two-year agreement. The Globe in Canada reported that the three largest wireless carriers to the north of us, Bell, Rogers, and TELUS, will all be carrying the torch in the near future. Rogers has officially confirmed with a report uh, to a, in a press release saying that they will have the 9800 within 
coming weeks. And though it hasn't been announced by RIM, the BlackBerry Curve 9300 was announced by Rogers on their website this week as a formidable upgrade to the 8500 series. Most of the specs remain the same, though the 9300 adds tri-band HSPA3G on the 850, 1900, and 2100 MHz bands. The 9300 also has a 2-megapixel camera, Wi-Fi 802.11BGNN, GPS, Bluetooth, and support for micro SD cards up to 32 gigs. The contract price of the phone is $80. Verizon's inventory system is showing an unseen device known only as the ADR6325VW. Some believe that the device will be the first LTE 4G phone from Verizon, known as the HTC Scorpion or Scorpio. The phone has been rumored to contain a 1.5 gigahertz processor, Android 2.2, and run on the upcoming LTE network. As part of its Q2 earnings call, U.S. Cellular announced various new devices coming to its network, including the HTC Desire and the BlackBerry Bold later this month. The devices will join the already announced Samsung Galaxy S and two unannounced devices from LG. U.S. Cellular confirmed that it is working on conducting LTE trials, but would not say when any deployment would commence. Well, if the anonymous tips received by Engadget come to fruition, the next version of the Motorola Droid will arrive this week. August 12th, the internal documents from Best Buy show the device launch with Android 2.2, a first for Verizon, a 3.7-inch screen, 1 gigahertz processor, and mobile hotspot capabilities. Android Central had a number of readers tell them that that Droid 2 uh, would be coming this week in advertising that showed up in this week's Sunday paper. Up until this point, Verizon has been pretty quiet about the device. However, the ad and the original Droid now being out of stock point the finger at the fact that this will sh- or should be released within the next couple of days. Another interesting point about the ad that was run shows the Droid 2 as about twice the size of the Droid Incredible or Droid X, though we know it's uh, very similar in size to the original model of the Droid. Samsung announcing that it would be releasing a quick messaging device known as the SCHA927 on AT&T and will be sold as the Flight 2. The device is a sideways slider with a 3-inch touchscreen and full QWERTY keyboard. Other features include a 2-megapixel camera, video capture, microSD support for cards up to 16 gigs, GPS, and Bluetooth. AT&T has not officially launched the device, and no timeline was talked about either. Cricket Communications will bring 15 new devices to its network this year, along with the recently released devices such as the Curve 8530 and Android-enabled Sanyo Zio. They will also launch many 3G-enabled feature phones. Also, the carrier plans to launch two 3G USB modems and a Wi-Fi hotspot device called the Crosswave. The BlackBerry Curve 8530 was made available on Friday for $300 on Cricket's $60 unlimited plan. The plan includes unlimited talk, text, email, web, picture mail, international texting, and all surcharges and taxes. Clear announced a new mobile hotspot for WiMAX service this week called the iSpot. Marketed directly at Apple's iOS devices, the iSpot can provide WiMAX over Wi-Fi to up to eight connected iOS devices with speeds between 3 and 6 megabits per second. The device does use standard Wi-Fi but employs Mac address filtering to only allow iDevices meaning iPods, iPads, and iPhones to connect to the device. The cost will be $99 and is available directly from Clear or Clear authorized resellers, which start on August 10th. Service plans start at $25 per month. MetroPCS announced on its latest earnings call that its first LTE phone, the Samsung R900, will come to the market as as the 
Craft. And that will be the same price as its current smartphone offerings that you find today. Few details, though, have been disclosed about the features of the device. We'll keep an eye on this one as we're very excited to see the first LTE phone and what that will mean for consumers. Software news in a moment. First, another way you can support the Cell Phone Junkie. You enjoy this show, so help us out by subscribing to the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked, our bi-monthly premium podcast for only $5 a month or $45 a year. You can help us keep you bringing this show each and every week. Sign up is easy. Just visit thecellphonejunkie.com. Click the link on the right for TCPJ Unlocked, then click on subscribe to premium content and follow the instructions to get signed up. Thanks to everyone who is already a TCPJ Unlocked subscriber. And we released a show this past week talking about the latest wave of software development that's been born over the last two years with the advent of the application store. It started with Apple's iTunes application and it spread like wildfire. Apps have been sparked, apps have sparked new life into software developers and given the customer great ways to use their device. So you can listen to the rest of uh, what we had to talk about with applications on this week's Unlocked show. Late last week, we heard from Verizon that the Motorola Droid would receive the Android 2.2 update starting this week. Verizon spokesperson Brenda Ranney has told Phonescoop.com that the Froyo offering of Android 2.2, offering native support for tethering and hotspot creation, will not occur in the Droid. Ranney says the Droid by Motorola does not have a Wi-Fi transmitter, so there is no hardware to support a mobile hotspot. With tethering, there is no connection to the PC side, and that would allow you to tether device. So you, uh, that answer is not part of the upgrade either, though that answer doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you think about it, because if there's no Wi-Fi transmitter in the device, you would not be able to do anything with the Wi-Fi connection in the phone itself. No. So it's, it's kind of a moot point. It really is not that big of a deal. They just, they're just not allowing it. That's, that's, you know. Well, yeah, because why would they? I don't know. They just, they don't want because they want you to buy a new Droid. The Droid Two will be out this week, so that's what they want you to buy. Of course. Anyway, so that that's what's happening there. At the press conference with the launch of the BlackBerry Torch, RIM presented its new BlackBerry Six operating system to debut on the latest devices. The OS will be available for installation on the Bold 9700, Bold 9650, and Pearl 3G handsets within the upcoming months. The new OS features a redesigned interface, expanded messaging for social networking features and RSS feeds, and RIM's new universal search tool. The OS updates to the BlackBerry browser with the new WebKit-based app as well. The new OS changes the familiar BlackBerry design with with new action menus that are context-sensitive, as well as a new multitasking menu. Text messaging has been updated to support a threaded messaging format, and the OS now incorporates new multimedia features which will synchronize BlackBerry devices with the desktop using BlackBerry Desktop Software 6. New BlackBerry devices will also be able to synchronize with iTunes, or Windows Media Libraries over Wi-Fi. So that's a new thing as well. Well, originally thought to, uh, that only 512 megabytes of RAM was needed to run OS 6, the Bold 97 only has 256 megs of memory. This means that the common requirement to run the OS is the Marvel 624 megahertz processor found in all three devices. And Joey, you were the one who pointed that out. So that, w- that was a good catch by you. Yeah, I think that uh, you know it was really kind of under the, under the assumption when the Bold came out that this was going to be one of the only OS 6 devices because it had 512 RAM um, available. And it's just not the case now that they've made this announcement that it can go on to 256 megabyte RAM devices. 
It's a, it's an exciting update, though. I mean, I'm glad you're going to be able to get it and you'll be able to you know tell us about it. I think it's it's going to be a, a great thing for BlackBerry users, you know, to see some of these media aspects of it. It's 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 really good that they're doing what they're doing here. Yeah, I'm excited. There's a podcast app built in. There's um, the the web browser definitely looks nicer. Um, I mean, I like the the BlackBerry web browser, but it is so slow, Mickey. I grabbed my Centro to do a couple things and. It's so much faster, the Central's web browser, like infinitely faster than the BlackBerry. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the new browser. A lot of things coming with this one. If you've got a 9650, you're in luck, or 9700 for that matter. Both devices will be getting it coming very soon. In a presentation regarding Windows Phone 7, Microsoft COO Kevin Turner stated that the devices would be coming to the U.S. in November. Turner also stated that Europe would be getting the phones a month earlier in October. However, specific dates have still yet to be released. Interesting, though, that the Windows Phone 7 devices could be coming uh, a month earlier to Europe than they do here in the U.S. We'll see if that comes to fruition. A much-needed update for Facebook arrived for Android midweek in the form of version 1.3, along with cosmetic changes and other updates. The ability to post a status update for search or search for friends with just one click is now there. A new photo reel enabling easy viewing of photos and videos from friends in your news feed. A draggable notifications drawer where you can easily see if a friend posted a note on your wall, commented or liked your post, or tagged you in a photo. Video playback from the app, support for events, and also responding to friend requests without leaving the application. Less than 24 hours after the update came out, the company released another updated version of the software, version 1.3.1, that according to subsequent Facebook posts, includes a fix for the battery drain problem that some of you users were running into. Both updates were free and can be downloaded from the Android market. Vonage a new uh, has a new app for Android and the iOS that allows users to make free calls to Facebook friends over 3G and Wi-Fi. Users can download the application for free from the I, or iPhone App Store or Android Market. Enter. Uh, and then enter in their Facebook login details and instantly make calls. The application shows friends that have installed the application and friends who are available for IM chats. Vonage says that the application can run in the background. I, I don't know that I would use this one, Joey. I'm not sure. Uh, I know you're a Vonage user, but you're not an iOS or Android user. And I am an Android user and iOS user, but not a Vonage user. So neither one of us can try this out. Nope. And I don't have actually Vonage anymore either. Ah, you've dropped the Vonage. Do tell. Nope. Uh, it's just a few months ago. Just no reason for it. Just never, ever use the, the phone. So Joey is cellular only now. Don't even miss it. Never even, I, I've never even thought, oh, I wish I had that phone to grab. All right. Well, there you go. I, I did not know that. Well, if you've been looking for a way to unlock your iPhone 4 version 1.0-1 of Ultra Snow, the first application to unlock your iOS 4 device across all providers is now available. The app can be found in the Cydia application store, meaning that your phone must be jailbroken first before you can unlock it. And a new try before you buy section in the Apple App Store has popped up, offering light versions of 100 iPhone and iPod Touch applications. The new section is an organizational update, bringing together light versions of popular iPhone games and navigation solutions in one dedicated spot. As of July 2010, the App Store offers 225,000 applications optimized for Apple's iOS platform. Questions and comments this week. On last week's show, I asked for recommendations on what you all use for BlackBerry podcasting, podcatching applications, excuse me. The response was unanimous. 
Pod Trapper from VersatileMonkey.com seems to be the best one out there. And at, the, at a cost of $10 with a 30-day free trial, it's easy to check out and cheap if you want to keep it. So thanks to DFS6996, Bill, Lenz, George, Raphael, Sunshine, Mike, Kirian, uh, Korokan, I'm sorry about these pronunciations, Korokanos and Michael for all writing in with their recommendation. And there you go, Joey. It looks like Pod Trapper is the software for you. Definitely. I'll check it out with the trial. I'm excited about that. And then maybe I may, before I purchase, I may wait for OS 6 to come, but that's going to be a number of months. No, that's true. That's going to be a little bit, but yeah, you're right. That's built into the next version. So you, some of these podcatching applications, but you know what? There's still going to be a market for them because there's a lot of devices that will not be getting OS 6. So you won't have a, you won't have the opportunity to use these if you've got some of the older devices like the tours or the curves or, or, or whatever. So anyway, so there you go. So thanks to everyone for sending in your recommendations. Next is a comment from Paul. He says, Dear Mickey, I agree with your conclusion that the BlackBerry is your go-to device for getting things done and staying connected with people via messaging in various forms. What a bonus to use Google Sync for BlackBerry to keep current on my contacts and calendar. I also agree that your return to the Nexus One on AT&T is a result of your need for excellent browsing and media experiences. I want to challenge your thought for BlackBerry devices that they are not entertaining or fun like Android or iPhone devices. I may not have a rich gaming or YouTube experience, but here's what I can do. Number one, I regularly use uh, the T-Mobile Curve 8900 for podcasting or catching through the Stitcher application, like listening to shows such as yours and Leo Laporte's This Week in Technology. Number two, I use iHeart's radio application to listen to many live talk shows. Number three, I use uh, Score Mobile for tracking live scores in the World Cup. Number four, Facebook. Number five, the 3.2 megapixel camera and lens is very good quality for both family photos and brief videos. In fact, the 8900 allows me to geotag the locations of my family photos, which then show up in iPhoto on my iMac. Number six is eTrade. I think trading on the fly is fun. Android doesn't have that yet. Number seven, the Associated Press is a great newsreader application that is crystal clear on my 8900. And number eight, the Yelp app. Very good on the BlackBerry. I think some of these features fall in the fun category and are worthy of note. Thank you for the valuable form and the very fun information you provide to all of us. Sincerely, Paul. Well, Paul, you make some good points there. Not to say that there isn't fun that you can have with the BlackBerry. I, I, I retract my statement. You're absolutely right. Yeah, there is fun you can have, Mickey. It, it, it definitely is. Um, you know, since I have a very similar device to this with the same camera, it is a very good uh, camera. It's uh, It focuses nicely. It can do pretty low light. It's got a nice flash. It's definitely a, a nice, solid device. Yeah, gaming is nothing like my Centro, in my opinion, just because I don't have a touchscreen. Um, I, I thought it was great to play some uh, cards on there where I just drag the, the cards around like you do on a computer. Um, you know, there's little things like that, but yeah, and he can mention that this isn't a gaming platform like an iPhone is, and that's, you just have to kind of live with the hardware that you have, but yeah, there's a lot of good applications available for, uh, entertainment. And I've tried the iHeartRadio too. That is very neat. And I using the Sirius XM cause I am a subscriber to that. And that's also very nice. And the Pandora that it comes with, uh, this particular one had it preloaded. It's a, it's a lot of great features. I think that there's a lot to be said for a BlackBerry. I mean, I like I said in the past, you know, this is it's my go to device. It's what I um, you know, it's what I use for the most part. And a lot of a lot of the reason that I don't use it, we'll say for fun type applications. And the reason I have other phones is because it is an enterprise style device 
that is locked uh, to enterprise applications. So I can't install any applications on these because of the IT policy that's in place. And so there's no way for me to even put things like Facebook on it. So I have to go to other devices to do so. And so that's why one of the many reasons I carry multiple devices. But um, definitely, if you're someone who, who doesn't have that restriction yet, you, you can certainly do a lot of the same things that you can on some of these other smartphones on the BlackBerry as well. So thanks for that insight, Paul. Next one here is a voicemail from Josh. Hey, Mickey, this is Josh from Denver. Uh, this week, my question is about the NFL. Love the, uh, love the podcast, as always. Um, I know that Sprint no longer has the NFL audio um, anymore, and that's now with Verizon. My question is this. I have an iPhone, um, and I canceled cable this year, and I know you can buy the NFL um, access online for the for the Mac and you can stream all the games. So I've got two questions. One, I'm wondering if there's a way to stream the games, um, the audio from my Mac to my iPhone. Um, I know there's a few different applications that will do that, that aren't really sanctioned by the NFL and that, you know, it seems like it's just kind of hacked in every every uh, week. It's a different, different stream. Um, and I'm wondering if you would be able to point me in that direction um, as well. I can't remember which ones those are. Um, and the other question I have, is there a, um, a way to actually watch the games live on my Mac? And I know that's not cell phone related, but the reason why I'm asking that is because if there was a way to do that, maybe I could use LogMeIn or something like that to actually watch the games um, on my iPhone while I'm out and about. Um, that's my question. Keep up the great work. Love the show. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on the BlackBerry uh, Torch. Um, and again, love the show. Have a great one. Bye. Josh, thank you very much for the question. So I've got four links that uh, I'm going to put in the show notes here for you for things that I want you to check out. So first off is the official audio pass application for the NFL. It's actually very reasonable. $30 for the entire season allows you to stream live radio broadcasts of all the NFL games. You get unlimited access to every uh, one of the 300 games this season. So I'll put a link in here for that, uh, for that season pass for $30. Um, I, I think that's probably the best way to go, honestly. Yeah, probably. I mean, I can hear it with SiriusXM, but not on a not on the web or the BlackBerry app, for example. Yeah, I have to have the satellite radio with the actual satellite antenna to listen to the NFL radio. Uh, it's very neat, but um, yeah, that's not kind of what you're asking for. But that's my only uh, input on that. Yeah, so this you could you could play this on your computer, and then you'd be able to use whatever devices that you wanted to use to, uh, such as log me in through your iPhone or whatever application that you wanted to use to stream the audio from the iPhone uh, or from the computer out to your iPhone. So that's one way to do it. Um, I'm going to put in three more links here that are we'll just say more um, unsanctioned ways of of getting the audio from this here, and um, I've not used any of these, uh, so. I, actually, let me tell you what I use because that's a good way, that's a good thing to talk about. I use the Sling Player. Um, you know, I'm a big Sling Player fan, and I use the Sling Player to get the the audio from all of my NFL games. Depending on where I am, sometimes I'll watch the video, but a lot of times it's audio. Um, maybe I'm driving somewhere, and the Sling Player application easily allows me to uh, turn on just audio only, which works really well. Um, so it doesn't number one take up as much bandwidth, and number two, it, it's a more consistent, clear stream, and there's less buffering. Yeah, and that's the, probably the easiest way to do it. I, I suppose there's only some limitations on your source because you wouldn't be able to get every NFL game, right? Because they only air certain games in certain markets, right? 
Correct. Correct. Now there's some workarounds too that I've done before. Um, I, you know, I, I liked to listen to audio from a local radio station, um, in, in Minneapolis. So I had the sling player in Minneapolis. Well, there's multiple inputs on, on, uh, on these sling boxes. And so what you can do is you can, you know, hook in obviously like a coax cable. And so you can get over the air cable or not over the air, but you know what I mean? Cable. And then you could also plug in just an audio source to one of the other quote, devices that they have on there. So I had an AM FM radio that was on and coming from the uh, the headphone jack, I plugged in a, a 3.5 millimeter headphone cable into that and then went out to audio on, you know, the RCA cables on the back of, you know, the device input on the back of the sling box. And then I could listen to the audio of the, and Joey knows it, the local 830 WCCO radio. They played the audio from all the Minnesota Twins games. And um, I love that audio stream. And so that was something that I wanted to, to have, to be able to listen to. And to be honest with you, that is exactly the audio that you get uh, when you uh, subscribe to the Sirius or what at the time was XM for, you know, is the local radio stations usually so that's how i did it and it worked really well yep and that's what i was gonna say that's what sirius uh, uses um for I, I know for the nfl but yeah since uh, the uh, mlb i think is still on the uh S- the xm or the the best of xm on sirius to uh in order to listen to the, the baseball games right and you know what i'm i'm just gonna jump out on a limb here and josh i'm guessing that you're a broncos fan because i know you're in denver so, you know, 850 KOA has all the Broncos radio stations. I, you'll want to check with their website to see if, if they do indeed have a stream of it, because then you could stream that on your computer and then feed it out to your iPhone that way, too. Yep. And maybe you can just do it directly, too, because if you go to thestreamcenter.com, I think that was the, the website, uh, or was it Mobile Stream Center? Um, you can, there, there's a, a consolidated list of every single radio station in the country that's available for streaming. And it may or may not be supported in your device, depending on the streaming formats available for the radio station. But many, many, many of, of them are available on there. And for me on the central, basically all of them work for me in the central, hardly any work on the Blackberry, but it did in the central. So I've got, I've got three other sites that are kind of similar to what you're talking about, more like aggregation sites that pull in different audio sources. Number one is thegamelive.com, and this one has got audio feeds listed for every single NFL team, so that could work for you there. The next one is freesportscasts.com. Again, I've not tried any of these, but that was the second one that I found that looks like it's got a good, uh, a good way uh, to stream as well. And finally, howtowatchfootball.com. And this one, this is about as unsanctioned and nefarious as they come. I, be very careful if you do stuff like this because these are going to different feeds, video feeds, and, and doing some things that are definitely, I'm sure the NFL would not be all that excited about. So anyway, so the, but these are, these are three different ones that I found on top of uh, you know, just, just the, I think, the, the official and probably best way to do it, which is going through the NFL's audio pass. Yeah, it sounds like a good way. And uh, yeah, that one site that probably won't exist for too long a time. <laughs> yeah, someone's going to probably pull. NFL is nasty. I mean, they they really have a tight clamp down on, on all of their stuff. So be, be careful when you're looking for different unsanctioned ways to do so. Next one today, a voicemail from Dominic. Hey, guys, this is Dominic. Uh, I love you guys' show. You, you guys always answer all my questions to the fullest. And I'm, I, just, I just can't be more happier. But I do have one more question for you. Okay, I still own my my touch slide, and the battery life it's it's okay. It's better than my G1, but I've been looking for an extended battery, and 
I guess nobody really makes any. But I found some uh, some models like the uh, the Test Pro 2. The battery fits in here pretty well, and it's a little bit bigger battery life than my my Touch Slide is. Uh, my question is, if, if I buy a extended battery made for another phone, but actually fits in my phone perfectly fine, could that possibly damage my phone or anything, or damage that battery? Uh, will I actually see longer battery life? I just want to get you guys to take on that. Love the show, guys. Thanks. Dominic, thank you very much for your voicemail. So interesting that you ask a question about batteries because this was something that Joey and I were just talking about a couple of weeks ago. So the the battery that comes in your device is is a battery that the manufacturer recommends that you use for it. And there are situations where you may want to use a different a battery from a different device or um, possibly use a battery from a device that you already have. Like in your situation, you, you've got the Touch Pro 2 and... Um, you're saying it seems to work. So I'm going to I'm going to have to lean on Joey here to give us a little bit of an explanation here, but there are two things that you have to look at with uh, a battery. So number 1, you've got the voltage of the battery and then you have the capacity of the battery. So as an example, on a, on a BlackBerry Curve battery, it has 3.7 volts. Um, and then the capacity of it is uh, 1150 milliamp hours at 4.3 watt hours. So Joey, can you kind of explain just what that means and, and what, what's the, what he should be, what Dominic should be looking for here? Well, you know, that's really basically, uh, yeah, match the voltage up because that kind of, uh, signifies kind of the push of the power. And like you said, the, the capacity in the milliwatt hour ratings usually, or milliamp hours, uh, that's just the capacity. So it really, you know, you can just keep using that power up. That's kind of like the, you know, the amount of power that's or the amount of energy that's in the battery. Um, whereas the voltage is kind of, you know, how it's being pushed out uh, with the number of cells, uh, for example, in there. So yeah, basically if it does work for you and the voltage is the same, um, you should be all right. So my example here with these BlackBerry batteries is uh, they're all 3.7, or at least the ones in the Pearl and the Curves, these are all 3.7 volt batteries. Now, the capacities of them are different. So on a BlackBerry Curve battery, I've got an 1150 milliamp hour battery. And on the Pearl, it's a 900 milliamp hour battery. Now, I can use these 1150 batteries on the Pearl, um, and I can use the 900 milliamp hour battery on the curve and so i've got all these different batteries and so what i do is i charge them up with uh you know my pearl that i'm not using anymore and i use them in the curve so i know that they're interchangeable because i'm using them and the voltage is the same at the 3.7 volts and so i don't have any problems there and uh it, it works really well for me so so look at those numbers and you should be okay most batteries are going to be in that 3.7 volt range right now because i uh, because Basically, every cell phone now is charged via USB, and USB only provides 5 volts, and you need to have higher voltage for the charging source than the battery itself, because otherwise you would get no power into the battery. There's no differential. I mean, you have to subtract it because you'll be charging at, you know, the 2 point whatever volts or 1 point, uh, 1.7 volts, um, you know, differential in the, in the, the voltage. So uh, there would be no current going into the battery if it was a you know, a six volt battery, for example. So that's why these batteries are now in that range. And they're pretty much most of them will be now because most phones use USB. 
I, it's, it's, a great, uh, it's a great thing for sure. And, you know, you've got HTC devices and some of the batteries are interchangeable. And, you know, you can go and buy batteries from companies like Cydio or whoever and, and, and get these batteries that have much higher capacities. And, I mean, you know, there's never any problem with them when you use them. The voltage is the same on them and the, and the, the contacts are in the same spot. So it allows uh, the battery to function and it fits inside the case. So just check those two things. Uh, well, specifically check the voltage and then, um, you know, have at it. Good luck. You should be just fine with it. Um, a battery made for another phone may work in your phone. You never know. So uh, so check those out or check that number out. Next one is a comment from Nathaniel. He says, Mickey, I heard you speak of many external batteries for your devices, but I've never heard you talk about this one. It is the one that I use and the charging capacity this gives you crushes products like the Zagspart Spark and costs about $30 less. I'd like to know if you've ever used the product and if you have any thoughts on it. Thanks, Nathaniel. And he, he links to a pro, uh, product here called the New Trent IMP880 for the iPad uh, 4G, 3G, 3GS iPhone. It basically is a, it's a battery here uh, that you plug in a, a cable into it, and it charges um, the any of these particular devices here. And um, I've never used that. I've never heard of this, unfortunately, so I can't talk too much about it here. But it says it has a capacity of 8,900 milliamp hours. So you're right. That absolutely crushes the 6,000 of the Zag Spark. Um, that's, they say, 5,000% of the iPhone battery capacity. And uh, it charges uh, via an AC wall charger. The thing that I like about the Zag is that it comes with its, its built-in you know, prongs on it. So you just fold down the prongs, plug it into the wall. When you're done, you just fold it up. You don't have another charger or anything to use with that. So, um, But it is nice that it works with the iPad. So it's got the higher output uh, so that it can charge up the iPad without any issues, because uh, I know that's an issue with a lot of the batteries that are out there that were made specifically for iPhones. They don't work with the iPad now. So, um, but yeah, that that looks like it's a pretty good one here. And for seventy bucks, it is thirty dollars off uh, the list price, and uh, or sixty dollars off the list price, thirty dollars off that of the Zag Spark. So thanks for the recommendation, and those that are looking for an external battery, in the show notes under comment from Nathaniel, click on the link for the IMP eight eighty. Next one is a question from Greg. He says, Mickey, my brother and his wife have property, a mountainside wilderness that is, in Cripple Creek, Colorado. They spend several weeks a year there camping and commuting with nature. They found that Verizon is the has the only coverage up there, and they want to buy a prepaid phone for when they are there. Their AT&T phones don't work. He says his research indicates that there are only long-distance calls included uh, to other Verizon users. They don't, They won't use it much, but they would but they want to make the right choice. They plan to buy the phone in the area. Any suggestions? Um, well, Greg, here's what I would suggest. Verizon, obviously, if you don't want to sign for a, up for a new two-year plan to your contract, that's totally understandable when you're only going to use it certain times of the year. Um, a best way to go, uh, Verizon has got some, some pretty decent prepaid plans. Um, there's two ways you can go. The first way is probably not what they're going to want to do, which is a monthly plan where you pay a certain amount every single month and you know anywhere from 45 all the way up to $95, and that gives you certain amounts of you know minutes and texting and stuff like that that are included. But if they're only using this at certain times of the year, what they may want to do is they may want to uh, just get the get their their prepaid basic is what it's called and uh i believe once you 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 know top up your prepaid device uh that amount is good uh for one year so for 360 days um you can then use that at 25 cents per minute or 20 cents per text message and uh, that includes nationwide and long distance as well and so they could be take advantage of that uh, pretty nicely 
Um, they could also then change at times when they were going to be talking on a little bit more to one of the daily access plans, and that would allow them for anywhere from $0.99 cents to $4 per day to get anywhere from unlimited calling and texting to uh, calling for relatively cheap, $0.10 cents per minute, and unlimited mobile-to-mobile calling for only a dollar a day. So maybe they want to look at that. But definitely VerizonWireless.com uh, slash prepaid, and I'll put a link in the show notes here as to where you can get all this information, would be a great way to go. Do some research on this here. Talk to someone at Verizon. Find a phone that's going to work for you, and I think this is the best way to go. Any thoughts, yeah, Mickey? Yeah, no, I think that's probably uh, that's probably the only way to do. I mean, I suppose you could try Sprint see if they have coverage there, but uh, probably not. I mean, that's out in the you know it's pretty out in the sticks. And I've heard that song, uh, Cripple Creek, and I didn't realize it was real. <laughs> you know, it's it's a great one though. I mean, any any of the carriers, if you've got one carrier that works better than the others, are going to have a, a prepaid service for you, and 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 they've got you know multiple levels of it everywhere from. Um, we'll just say like an emergency type phone, which is kind of what they're talking about where they use it then. And when they use it, it's a little bit more expensive, but really it's, it's not all that big of a deal. I think prepaid is, is, is a great way to go. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. Prepaid is, there's so many wonderful benefits to it. So check that one out, Greg link in the show notes here. Click on the link that I'll have on question from Greg. And finally today, question from Terry. He says, Mickey, if I wanted to bid for a BlackBerry on eBay, what do I need to look for? I think I would go for the Curve because it syncs with my Prius's Bluetooth. Any advice on how to go about that? So Terry, eBay can be good or bad. I've had mostly good experiences when purchasing, but sometimes the person buying from me has caused difficulty. The biggest thing to look for uh, on the seller is if you go to seller info on the top right of the bid, the seller should have 100% positive feedback rating. The only time I ever buy from anyone with anything other than that is if they have, say, over like a thousand feedback ratings or something like that, because you get enough people and, you know, one or two people aren't going to be happy. So, um, you know, it, it, but you've got all these other hundreds or sometimes thousands of people that are happy with this seller. So, um, but yeah, if they're like someone who sold like 50 things and their feedback is like 90%, probably not someone that you want to go with. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, and Mickey, I also kind of look to see if they've sold cell phones before in the past and see if the, the, the comments were positive about those. Um, sometimes, you know, you just sometimes I take a chance based on the price and I'll bid accordingly um, based on the other ones that are out there and what they've closed for. If there's somebody that's got maybe a little bit less of a rating and maybe less um, uh, less items they've sold, I'll uh, I'll bid a little less, you know, like 10 or $15 less, you know, as we're talking about this price range for a curve. Um, and also one thing you totally have to make sure you look out for is if you're um, bidding on a Sprint or Verizon CDMA device, you need to have a clear ESM uh, because it, they, they will not Sprint. I know this for a fact. I don't know about Verizon, but Sprint will not activate a phone if the ESN is not clear, meaning that the account that the phone came from was paid off or is currently, you know, you know, eligible. Um, like if I took my BlackBerry Bold here that I've got fairly recently since it's under contract and it's a, you know, it was a um, subsidized phone. If I stopped paying my Sprint bill and then I sold this phone to somebody, they could not activate it because the account was not clear. Um, however, if I go back to my Centro and I've got this BlackBerry Bold, I could then sell this no problem and, and the next person would have no trouble activating it. So if you are bidding on a CDMA device, get the ESN number from them. And a lot of times people post it on their auction or they'll say the ESN is clear. Um, I've taken that. Uh, uh, sometimes I believed them because of their ratings 
and other times I've gotten the ESN number from the seller and then gone to the Sprint chat and typed, uh, you know, asked them to, to do a check for me and they'll tell me whether or not the phone is uh, ready to activate. And if you're really concerned about the seller, you probably, you know, don't take either take their word for it or get, you know, get that number like Joey says and do it. And if you're really concerned about it, don't buy from that person. There are thousands of curves out there right now. It's not like you need to go and and buy the first one just because someone has got a good price on it. Under a hundred bucks for sure. You're going to be able to get this thing for that. Yeah, totally. So anyway, by the time that uh, you see this, you may have already found one, but some of the things also to look for are free shipping. You know, a lot of times people are shipping for free now, any accessories that are included with it. So on a, on a, like a curve, look for a mini or excuse me, I guess it'd be micro SD card. If they have a car charger that comes with it, maybe that's something that you want. Look for pictures of the phone. Maybe the pictures uh, will show something that you, you know, like a scratch screen or something like that, that maybe they didn't think was a big deal, but you, you may care about. So, so pictures are a big thing too yeah and item condition you know somebody say good as new a lot of people's definition of good as new means drastically different things so yeah yeah exactly you know big large large pictures of the condition and seeing that the phone's actually lit up you know uh that does uh that does go a long way yeah absolutely well if you have any questions or comments for us you can send them to us questions at the cell phone junkie.com is our email address or you can give us a call 206-203-3734 and leave us a voicemail and we'll get your question or comment played on the show again check out our new website the cell phone junkie.com and leave a comment on there if you'd like also you can follow us on facebook facebook.com slash the cell phone junkie and you can follow everything that the site does on twitter as well twitter.com slash cell phone junkie i am tcpj underscore mickey joey is tcpj underscore joey and joey thank you very much as always for your time we'll talk to you later thanks for listening for more information about the stories you've just heard visit us at the cell phone junkie.com <laughs>